This is the Mix Zone by Infront Lab. We chat with sports and innovation leaders from around the globe, talking about everything from the newest technologies to major trends affecting our industry. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we're Infront Lab, the digital and tech branch of Infront Sports and Media. At the lab, we put fans first and use technology to improve experiences by helping rights owners meet their fans at all touch points along their individual journeys. We work with all sports-related industries, from data to content and everything in between. I'm Marav Sevier, head of B2B marketing at Infront Lab and host of this podcast. Sports clubs are always on the go, traveling for matches, training sessions, friendlies, and who knows, maybe even taking work with them on personal time off. That means equipment, digital assets, and data are on the go as well, and must be accessed from new locations, different servers, and at times by different people. This makes it harder to protect all the information sports clubs use on a daily basis, from athletes to coaches, physical trainers, assistants, and even higher-ups in management. Everyone is vulnerable, but not everyone knows the risks. This needs to change. And, as with many things, it starts with proper education and proper cyber protection. To talk more about this, we're joined by Avi Sinai, VP of R&D of Perimeter 81. Avi, welcome to the Mix Zone. Hello. Thank you. Well, Avi, uh, before we get into cybersecurity and sports and specifically securing data, tell us a bit about yourself, your history with cybersecurity industry, and how you arrived here at Perimeter 81. Okay, um, so I'm Avi Sinai, I'm a, a VP R&D of uh, Perimeter 81, I'm uh, 50 years old, I have a wife named Gali and uh, three big boys, and I think that I've started about uh, 23 years ago. Uh, Quite some I, time ago, before yeah. cyber was a topic on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> no, I think it was, it was. It was the year of 2000 and, uh, you ah. know, everything began there, yep. <laughs> Uh, the year Y2K. But yeah, at that, at that point, only the geeks used uh, computers, and, and uh, I was probably one of them. Um, I graduated the uh, Technion with uh, uh, computer engineering, and I had another uh, degree in uh, system engineering. And since then, most of my career was about networking, and I think about eight years ago, I made a small switch, a small turn into the uh, uh, cyber defense world which means that uh, most of the time I'm, I'm thinking about how to protect companies, organizations, and even small countries, which was my first project. Even small countries, all right. If you can, you're going to have to tell us a bit more about that. Okay, I will try. <laughs> it doesn't seem as if you can tell us too much. Um, so how did you arrive here at Perimeter 81? Um, so I think that... Um, Two and a half years ago, uh, a headhunter called me and she said that she has an amazing opportunity. Uh, I thought that a meeting with uh, the CEO is a good, uh, good thing to do. We had about, um, we scheduled for half an hour and I think that we talked uh, two and a half hours. It was an awesome conversation. I really uh, liked the concept. I really understood why it's critical and, and this idea that he has and everything that he builds uh, is really something that the world needs and that I relate to. And, and, and at that point, I thought that, oh my God, it's, it means that I'm gonna have another switch, which I didn't plan, but this is what I wanna do. And now I'm, uh, I'm continuing with the Perimeter 81. Uh, we started very small. When I joined, there were in the R&D less than 20 employees or about 20 employees. 
And today we are about 120. Just in the R&D. Just in the R&D. And yeah, it was a, a, a huge increase and we grew a lot with everything that we do. Um, yeah, this, is what, this was in the last uh, two and a half years. So tell us a bit about the company as a whole. So obviously 120 employees on the R&D side. How many employees are there at Perimeter 81? What's the company culture like? Because it's a serious business, but it looks like it's a fun place to be, just from being here in your offices. <laughs> yeah, it is a fun place to be, but it's not so, so fun in day to day because we have <laughs> 2,800 customers worldwide and we need to keep their production safe all the time because whenever when they start to use our uh, system their system is blocked and they have and they need to have full availability 24 7 and if something goes wrong then they don't have an internet connection at all so we need to be fully available all the time so it's fun <laughs> but we need to make sure that nothing uh, goes wrong so uh, our production systems and our customers will not uh, be uh, uh, angry. Um, actually, we are uh, 120 people in the R&D. We grew up very fast and we learned to build the methodologies and everything that we do in order to have uh, a baseline that uh, we work correctly in order to grow not only for what we do now, but in order to provide the baseline for our company to be an enterprise grade as, in, as we have in our vision. And our mm -hmm. vision is to supply security products for much, much bigger companies. And this is where we aim, we aim for, and this is what we do on a day-to-day. -day. So we need to think on, on the day-to-day -day and we need to, to think of the future. So let's talk about the day-to-day. -day. Uh, in layman's terms, what is it that you do in cybersecurity? How are you helping these companies protect themselves? Obviously, you're talking about smaller companies as well as bigger companies, and we will also relate this to sports uh, clubs, leagues, federations, if we're talking from small to big in a bit. But just explain a little bit about what Perimeter 81 does. Awesome. So let's begin. Um, we used to have a closed office, some perimeter that everyone in the, in, came in the morning. We used to have a, a doorkeeper at the, at the entrance. We called him the firewall. And everybody that wants to come in cannot do that because someone is protecting us. So we had all the servers located in the office. We had the source control. We have the databases. We had the Salesforce and everything that we needed was located internally. One so central location. One central location in the branch offices. And so we didn't need to protect it so much because we knew that everybody that came into the office is one of us. So only thing that we need to have is user and password. And we said that, okay, nobody can, uh, nobody wants to, uh, to hijack a user and password from each other, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're in the same company. We're all working towards the same goal here. Right, but then one day we took these resources and moved them to the cloud. And then the COVID came and we moved everybody working from home. And now we need to find a, a better way, a secure way for people from home to connect to the resources. Now it's not the only change that happened because now we have laptops that we get home and sometimes people get these laptops without uh, without going through the IT. And we don't have as much IT personnel as we used to have once upon a time. And we don't log into the domain in the morning. So what's gonna check that the laptop is secured? That our endpoint has protection and we will not uh, connect to our network with something with viruses. So we need to provide an alternative. And this is what we do in Perimeter 81. We provide a secured network for organization over the internet. Mm -hmm. Again, secured network for all types of organizations in the world 
over the internet. We, we all, all of us use the internet, even, uh, even when we work from home, even when people travel, they want to connect to the sensitive data. They need to have a secure way. Meaning that no matter where they are in the world, if they're at the airport, if they're on the beach in Cancun because they happen to be working from them, their computers are protected. It's, not, it's no longer just a server at the office. Correct. But not only the computer, the methodology of how to connect to our resources is secured. This is what, uh, what's critical. You want to be able to, to have availability of the sensitive data in a secure manner, and you don't want to worry that someone will hijack your laptop, mm -hmm. get the user and password, which is pretty much simple to do. Uh, and from then on, he can connect to all the resources simply. We wanna, we wanna block this option. So if we take this concept and we're speaking specifically about sports organizations, as we mentioned in the, in, in the introduction, they're always on the go. There's away matches, there's flights, there's vacations during the season, whatever it may be, if there's, a, if there's a break. Everyone is constantly on the move. So before we get into how sports organizations can protect themselves, first of all, what do you see as the biggest risks that they face on a daily basis when you're constantly on the move, using your laptop on the go, if it's from your own venue, from someone else's venue, at the airport, on the airplane, if there's Wi-Fi in the airplane, it's constant, the movement. Right. So actually, the, the, the vulnerabilities are coming from few ends. Uh, on the laptop side, uh, you want your laptop to be secured without any malicious uh, software. So you want to verify that uh, the person that is using it is not uh, uh, surfing into malicious sites like uh, gambling that has a lot of malicious software and other stuff. So you want to block it. And you want this laptop to have an antivirus and you want this laptop to be uh, managed from far away and other stuff that we call device posture check. We want to, to verify that the device is always secured. And I, just quickly, because I want to make sure you're, you're talking about gambling, obviously sports gambling, something big in Europe, getting bigger in the United States. Are these some of the websites that you're also seeing as um, suspicious websites? Are we talking about, you know, for like gambling on the other perspective that isn't necessarily I assume that we're talking sports. about the other perspective okay. and not uh, sports Just gambling. Just making sure is, that everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it depends on the website. Usually gambling that is not related to sports has a lot of viruses in it. Uh, in sports, it's usually more taken care of. It's more mature and it, 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 it behaves differently. Um, but as, as you mentioned, people are on the go. They are going to hotels. They are going to the airports. They are always uh, Wi-Fi's, and these Wi-Fi's are insecure. And these Wi-Fi's can be easily be uh, a vulnerability, and from there, people can hack your laptop and do bad stuff. Uh, from there on, you want to make sure that even if they hacked your laptop, they cannot do something more than that. So they have only the simple ability to see stuff that you've, that you've seen, but not more than that. They cannot connect to your uh, network and not to your sensitive data. And they cannot collect data from there. Um, so this is something that yeah, we would like to handle. But more than that, uh, we would like to protect the transactions. We would like to protect the sensitive data. If, if there is a physician 
that you mentioned earlier that would like to take care of a player and he wants to see his history. You don't want that this history will be available for everyone because this is something that is very much personal and may affect the next contract of this uh, player. 100%. And, and this Just imagine if the information, uh, some sensitive medical information about Ronaldo, Messi, the biggest stars in the world, falls into the wrong hand, what you wow, can do with it. This is scary. This can be a, a, a huge breach if something like that happened and you want to avoid that. Um, so everything that you do on the go relates also to sensitive data that you have on the cloud because you want everyone to, to have the availability of this data. So you cannot, you cannot limit this as, um, again to the office. It cannot be part of the office anymore. It has to be available on the cloud to everyone all around. So the sensitive data of the physicians and the medical that you mentioned, and sometimes you sell stuff. So you have credit cards and there's the online stores and you mentioned broadcasting. Imagine that someone has codes for how to broadcast and the channels and he takes over the, uh, the, the channels and then he can broadcast anything else. So you don't, want, you, you don't want that to happen. So you need to secure the entire databases and you need to secure the entire path that we are communicating with this channel in order to secure it. This is what we do. So how do you do that? Oh, <laughs> a very complicated question. We're going to need a little bit of a longer episode, aren't we? Yeah, but we can say it in a few words. So um, I'll share that uh, we start with protecting the endpoint. Mm -hmm. Through this endpoint, we are connecting to a firewall that we have for every network and every customer. We provide a gateway, which is a firewall of rules, what is allowed and what's not. And from there, we are connecting securely to all the resources. We define the resources and we communicate with them in a secure manner. This is, uh, uh, this is what we do. We have a platform that is doing it for us automatically. You don't need to do anything manually. Everything is with a very simple UI and you can do it. You can build your own network with less than an hour. Something that used to take few weeks of work in, in older versions of, the, of other systems. And possibly a deterrent for companies if they wanted to do something. You know, when, you, when you think about it and you're like, well, it will take us just a week to put this in place. It's no longer the case. Yeah. yeah. So indeed, most of our customers are really uh, astonished by the way that uh, it happens. It's, it's like a magic. An hour of work and you can define the entire network and everything is like building blocks of a Lego. Connecting. And, and it works very, uh, very fast. And then you can start to engage your employees to, uh, uh, to install the agent and work in this, uh, in this uh, system from then on. So obviously the system is just one part of it and education is another big part. That's something that we're hearing from a lot of people along the way in different aspects of cybersecurity. Not only do you have to ask your employees to, is it installing it on each individual computer? Yeah. So you have to ask employees to install it on the computer, but also have that awareness of what you are up against constantly. And my, uh, my assumption is that it's also constantly developing and changing the threats that we're up against. So how do you educate employees? What is the first thing that you have to do to make sure that your employees know what they're up against? Um, well, actually, you know that the, most of the complex uh, uh, attacking surfaces are through the, the employees. Most of the uh, things that happen in history involves a secretary and a CEO and one of the employees that opened an email <laughs> and has done something wrong. And, uh, and there are many stories. I, I, I mentioned some of them uh, uh, earlier in our conversation. But um, 
Um, I can share with you that it, it has to be a constant education with emails, with tutorials, explaining the employees about the fact that they need to be aware because people will always hunt them. The, the employee is the weak link mm -hmm. in the organization. And if the employee will not be, uh, uh, will not think about what's going on outside and how people try to communicate with him. And, uh, you know, my wife can send me an SMS about something that relates to the bank. And she asks me if it's real. I'm asking her, do you have an account in this bank? She says, no. So I'm asking her, how, how, it can, uh, how can it be real? And she, she, okay, you're correct, it's not real. So you always have to think and look at what you got. There are ways to communicate with people. And if the, your bank is trying to communicate with you and trying to tell you that uh, you need to change your user, user and password, something is wrong here and you need to, you need to halt and, and uh, uh, think about it and uh, discuss with uh, someone with uh, more experience what to do. And so usually ignore it. Unfortunately, we've all gotten notices, whether it's on our phone nowadays or emails that are email, that are username and password were part of a data breach. At, at that point, obviously you want to go change everything, but is it too late? You know, what are other ways of finding out if you've been hacked? If we're a sports organization, let's use that as an example, European football club, basketball club, whatever it may be. What are some of the ways or things you have to pay attention to to make sure you haven't been hacked? Understand if you have, and then make sure it doesn't escalate from there. Wow. So in order to prevent hacking, it's a little bit complicated because it's like a house. Can you totally prevent everyone from hacking it? For instance, if Putin decides that you want to go to your house and look in your drawer and you do whatever, I'll give you $1 million to protect your home. Will he be able to go inside? And, oh, 100%. Uh, he will. He will be able. No, uh, there's, there's no doubt for it. So I think that uh, we cannot fully protect, but we can do our best to close it and not leave the door open for people to go inside easily. This is what we need to do the best that we can, because there are many types of attackers and we would like only Putin to not be able to go inside our house. But all the rest, all the script kiddies and hacktivists and a lot of people that do it for fun, uh, we, don't, we want to avoid them. The next level that we need to avoid is espionage and country level hackers that uh, are more experienced and we need to avoid them. And for that, we need, a, we need a better security system like we provide and other companies also provide something that is supplemental uh, to have uh, an entire uh, uh, suite of protection. Now, in order to verify that you've been hacked, you need to have something that is called a SOC system, which is a security operation. Um, that is monitoring the system all the time and is trying to find if bad things happen, if there are leaks, if mm -hmm. someone is controlling our systems, it's called command and control, he's controlling it from far away. If someone is trying to get, to get data out of your databases, for instance, he reads more data that he should, than he should. And if you are monitoring your system all the time, then you will be able to understand that there is a hack and close it as soon as you can. Um, most likely that you cannot do it by yourself. You need companies that this is their uh, realm of expertise to do it for you and to verify that your system is secured. But you must do that because ransomware companies are just looking for the guys that think that they can protect themselves. They know what to do and they will uh, easily hack their system, block their data and then 
there will be in a, in a problem. And obviously with sports names being so big and flashy, they are targets often of these attacks. Indeed. Indeed, they are. Everything that is, uh, every data that is sensitive and can lead you to feel uh, unsecure if this is going to be leaked, then it's good for them. For instance, you mentioned earlier the physicians and the medical uh, data of uh, Messi and Ronaldo. So assume that uh, one company has taken this data and now they're saying either pay me $1 million or I will release this data. And $1 million is coming out cheap with that information. <laughs> Indeed. So they will ask the amount of money relatively to the players that they took their data. If they see their Messi and Ronaldo, they will probably ask for $100 million. If they see their, uh, you and I, uh, yours and mine uh, medical, they will say, give me $10 and it will be enough, <laughs> I think. We don't need this. They can just toss it in the trash. <laughs> yeah, so it, it depends on the players. It depends on the level of the data and how sensitive it is. But the more sensitive it is, they can leverage it more. Now, you've mentioned several types of attackers or attacks. Are there uh, types of attacks or attackers that sports organizations should be more conscious of than others? Um, or are they pretty much open for all with that with the size of organizations, the big names? Well, I think that um, um, I think that ransomware is the most common one, but you know, uh, attackers just want to make uh, just want to do bad things. So I'm not sure that I can say uh, what are all the uh, the ideas that come to their minds, but uh, being able to protect yourself from uh, from ransomware because they will try to get your data and if you will not pay, they will leak it to the internet. They will try to encrypt your data and tell you that you will not be able to work because all of your servers, everything is blocked until you pay the amount of money. And then you need to, th to figure out how to handle the situation. Are you gonna pay them? Are you gonna restore that data? Are you gonna, what you're gonna do in this situation? So this is a situation where you need to, uh, to think how to handle and it's more complicated than a regular one. Um, I think that sports uh, sites and activities are also open for DDoS attacks because someone will wanna, will wanna have a denial of service because it's fun. And, and maybe even espionage is uh, relevant, I'm not sure, but uh, and obviously, as the digital times are changing, everything's moving over to not only from the, the cloud, but now to Web3, and we're talking more about blockchain. Uh, where do you see everything evolving, and where do you see Perimeter 81 evolving in order to focus on maybe new security threats that will be popping up in the near future? I'm not even talking about far enough ahead, because God knows where we'll be. Uh, but where do you see Perimeter 81 evolving as hacking and hackers become more sophisticated? So um, we build our network in a way that we control everything in the network from, from the laptop, the endpoint, through the network till the resources on the cloud. So we have eyes all along the network, which is something that most companies don't have. We have a leverage on this one and, and we are planning to, to uh, exploit it fully. Uh, our goal is to mature in the, in the capabilities that we have to see what's going on in the network, to have more insights, to have more AI, to understand what's going on in the, in the system and to provide full suites for our customers to understand everything that is going on in their network. Um, I think that um, 
while uh, attackers have new surfaces to attack, we always learn what they bring on and for that we provide uh, suggestions how to handle it better. And we evolve as the attackers go. I, I don't have an answer what's going on, what's going to happen in two or five years and how we're going to handle it. I don't think anyone it. does. <laughs> yeah, but, but we know that uh, AI is now changing the world. Uh, some people thought that uh, everything that is going today will happen in 20 years and it's going on now. I'm sure that next year things are going to be uh, uh, running pretty fast with AI and they're going to change the game significantly. I have no idea how it's going to affect us. Uh, but I hope that we will be ready. We're trying to do our best to be ready. And if uh, we go back to the sports organizations, is there anything else that you think it's important for them to know about protecting themselves, training employees to do so, information on the go, all the data that they're storing on their computers when they're hopping from match to match and country to country? Yes, have a security manager part of the company so he will be able to evaluate what is the sensitive data, how do we protect uh, ourselves, how do people connect from far away and to which data to make a compartmentalization of the data so people will not have access to everything, have a need-to-know basis, only uh, permissions to uh, sensitive data. Um, sometimes I hear, I'm the CEO, I should be admin on all the systems. This is bad. If you're the CEO, you have, you have no idea how to uh, manage AWS. Don't be an admin. Stay away from being an admin because you don't want your computer to be hacked. And from your computer, people can do everything. So Access if, to everything in that regard. Indeed. So, for instance, in my laptop, there is least privileges to most of the systems, specifically if I'm not managing it, because only the people that are relevant should have it. So when you have, a, when you have an actual security manager that understands that and he's training everyone, to behave accordingly and not, like I said, CEO that says I need to have access to everything, which is a bad thing and he needs to know you want to protect your system, don't take any privileges to your laptop if you don't need it. Um, but if he's, if he's doing all this education, then everyone should feel much more uh, uh, safe in their company and I I recommend of starting with a security manager that will evaluate everything. By the way, you can do it as a service. You don't need to hire a person. You can hire a company that provides this as a managed service. They come to your place and they check everything. And then they give their recommendations. Um, but this is critical for every organization in the world. And it's a great place to start. Indeed. Avi Sinai, it was a pleasure having you on The Mix Zone. Thank you very much for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. That wraps up this episode of The Mix Zone by Infront Lab. I'm Marav Severe. You can find me and the lab on LinkedIn. Don't hesitate to reach out and chat with our team about sports tech solutions or just last night's game. Enjoyed the episode? Let us know your thoughts on the podcast. And don't forget to rate us. We'll see you next time.